Hey, good morning. I hope everybody is doing good out there today. I am, um, I'm coming to you today um, with the sunshine and it is beautiful outside. It's not really warm, but um, it's warm enough. It's probably going to be in the 60s, maybe reach the 70s today and um, just feeling really blessed. We got some rain and everything is so green. And if you go and click on my blog and read it, you'll see some pictures that I took today, how green everything is. But um, I, I just look out on the farm and I just think, wow, how blessed, how blessed I am to live where I am. And, um, and I didn't know that, but I, I, I think most people know that I live on a farm. Um, but if you didn't, I, I do, I live on a farm. I have sheep and horses. I have a horse and cows, chickens, ducks. Um, what else do I have? Chicken ducks, cats and dogs. And, and at one time we had miniature horses. We've had donkeys. Um, we just, we love animals and we, we love having our, our farm. Um, it is a, a, a way of keeping the land clear, but it's also a way, you know, bringing in just a little income to support the farm and, and we love it. Um, but it's one of the things about living on the farm is you never know from one day to the next what's going to transpire. So like every animal on the farm has their own kind of personality, I guess you would say. We get the babies. Most of our babies come in the spring. Um, we usually get new kinds of animals occasionally. And then on the other hand, we have what I call as mishaps on the farm. With mishaps, there are you. It usually involves an animal that I would say has a lot of personality, or is really stubborn. So I have this one animal that comes to my mind, and his name is Bill. Well, Wild Bill, to be exact. Wild Bill is a fairly new addition to the farm. He's been here a little while, a few months, and he is a goat. I have been after my husband to add a goat to our family, farm family, for a while. We had some, and we got rid of them, and we've got more sheep, and I'm like, you know, it would be really good to have another goat to put in the pasture with the sheep. The sheep are really good at keeping things down, but the goats, the goats would help with the shrubs and the, and the briars and eat all that extra. And it helps keep things cleaned up because we keep our sheep close to our house and help keep it all cleaned up. And so, <laughs> I was thinking in my mind of getting you like a couple of pygmy goats. Pygmies are just these really smaller goats. They're so cute. I thought it would be such a great addition. They could eat the shrubs. 
they would be able to interact with my grandbaby. The neighborhood kids would love them. And they could pet on them. They could feed them. You know, just like they do at like the petting zoos. You know, those little pygmy goats. And they bounce around and they're just really cute. So then I got a call one day from the hubs. And he says, I found you a goat. And we're going to go pick him up this weekend. Well, to say I was tickled to death is complete understatement. Because I just knew that I had lost this battle with my hubs over getting a goat. He would always say, no, I hate goats. They're nothing but trouble. And again, in my mind, I'm thinking, how can these cute little pygmy goats be any trouble at all? I just don't understand that they're so cute. Well, then we went and picked up Bill. Bill, who we have named Wild Bill. On the first day home, we kept Wild Bill in the barn because we have a little barn within our sheep pasture. And so we kept him in there for a couple of days. We do this with all of our animals when we bring them home. We keep them in a pen for a couple of days to let them calm down, let them get used to us, let them get used to the environment a little bit, and just get their nerves calmed down. And then that way we can turn them loose. And then when we turn them loose, they don't go crazy. Usually when we turn them loose, they're just thankful to see other animals. They're thankful to be petted. They're thankful to be, you know, just out in the open in the bright light and so we did this with wild bill when we got him home and it worked out really well we turned him loose with the sheep they mingled well he didn't try to knock them over too bad it was it was a good transition and we did this and then we have wild bill who has this very unique personality, different than the sheep and a lot of the other animals. You know that one animal that just kind of looks at you and then tilts their head sideways kind of thing? This is Wild Bill. He's one of those, you just, you never know what he's thinking and you wish you did. But every step you take towards him he takes one step back. Now, every now and then, you may get close enough to see his eye color, but that's about as close as you're going to get. But the one thing about Wild Bill that I did not count on was his fleshly desire for shrubbery. Okay, now Wild Bill isn't one of those cute little pygmies now. He is one of these big, full-grown I don't know, Angoria, whatever type goats that is going to be as big as a foal when it's born. I mean, he's going to grow up. When my husband said, you got to get a bigger goat and they eat more, eat more shrubs. I said, okay, cool. I can handle this. But with Wild Bill, you can't get close to him. But his desire for shrubbery is like something I have never seen. He has this fleshly desire to eat. I mean, I knew goats like to eat shrub and grass, weeds, trees, 
anything green. Yet while Bill has an overzealous desire for shrubs, and not just any kinds of shrubs, but mostly the shrubs that can be found on the other side of the fence. Now I know what you're thinking. I bet Wild Bill isn't staying in the fence and she's having a lot of trouble. <laughs> well, that's kind of part of it. You see, Wild Bill will partially stay in the fence while the rest of him is outside the fence eating the shrubs. So let me paint this picture for you. So around our sheep pasture, we have a woven wire fence. What that means is that woven wire is, is that is in small squares. It's a small square fence, little squares. This fence is meant to keep the predators out. I can put up a two-strand electric fence and my sheep ain't going nowhere. They're really good with boundaries. But this is to protect the sheep, to keep all the predators away from them. Well, the sheep, they can put their heads in those squares and they can reach that green grass on the other side. And, but they have no horns. Mine don't. The ones I have don't have no horns to get stuck. And so they can do it without issue. <laughs> but then you have Wild Bill, who has a little tiny set of horns. He gets his head stuck from those horns. And when he gets his head stuck, he begins to scream and he cries with abandon for help. And I'm talking a cry that we hear all day long because while Bill doesn't get stuck one time, while Bill gets stuck at least three to five times a day in that woven wire fence, no matter how much time he spends stuck, and how much he agonizes over the situation, he continues to do it over and over again. He never learns. Never learns. So my genius husband, now this is a saying we say, he is the farmer and I am just the farmer's wife. So he has all the genius in him. He has a solution for the problem. So he takes Wild Bill and he takes this little blue pop and he tapes it to Wild Bill's horns and he gives him this beautiful blue crown that is fit for a pasture king. So with this crown being wider than the holes in the fence, Wild Bill can remain stuck free. So his internal desire for that greener shrubbery becomes a distant action. And his mind can then concentrate on what is in front of him and not on the shrubs on the other side of the fence. I kind of call it a crown of humility. But yet this crown of humility for him is his saving grace. As Wild Bill gets lost, when he loses that crown, just like he did yesterday, he the crown fell off again. I race out there to free him again because he's stuck. And it reminded me, as I was watching him walk away, of my own fleshly desires and what links God goes to 
not only to heed my cry, but maybe some links that he goes to to protect me from myself and from me making the same choices over and over again. So just as while Bill has a fleshly desire for things outside of his circumstances, we as humans have those same desires. We each have things that we desire that are honest and pure, but we also have things that we desire that are not so honest and not so pure. <laughs> These things are usually not things that are not good for us. They're things that distract us from our daily lives. They pull us um, in directions that are usually away from God's will and what he desires for our life. And one of the big things is it keeps us from growing in our daily walk with God because it keeps us distracted and keeps us pulled away. Fleshly desires also keep non-believers from choosing to follow Christ. Their desires to stay with what feels good to them often overclouds the rational mind of what it may be doing to their souls. We live in a society nowadays that caters to instant gratification. The standard of this life, the whole as a society, is to look down our noses at people who do not accept the desires of the flesh as a guide to live this life. I mean, really think about that. Is that not true? The statements I've heard a lot lately is, well, I was born this way. Well, life is not fair or God does not care because he won't deliver me from this. So I have to deal. Or I'm not going to believe in somebody who would let his children, supposedly children, suffer. All these statements have become excuses for us to live by our desires, our fleshly desires, and not by the rationality of what our desires can do to us. So today what I want to do is I, I want to confront this. It's time to confront this. It has come that we all must acknowledge our fleshly desires. And we also must acknowledge what we stand for. We have to make a choice on what we're standing for. To stand firm with what we know is true, or we can constantly give in to our fleshly desires and what feels good to us. So let me tell you a little bit about one of my fleshly desires that I struggle with. I struggle every day with the desire to stay in a dream world instead of facing reality. It was a coping mechanism that I took on as a child dealing with some hard um, things that I was going through and through um, some sexual abuse and, and other um, emotional abuse and stuff that I went through. I used this dream world as a, as a way to escape. When my depression is really bad, it's one of the things that I just don't want to do. I just don't want to get out of bed. I just want to stay in that dream world. And for years, and I mean years, I would spend my time in this dream world. I would sleep my life away. It brought me such good endorphins, and it just wrapped me in a fuzzy, fuzzy 
fuzzy blanket of blissfulness and comfort. And anytime during the day when I was faced with the reality that became too hard to handle, I would whisk myself away in my mind to this faraway dreamland for a moment of bliss. And it was usually a place where I just felt loved unconditionally and safe and respected and cared for. My fleshly desire was to not deal with the reality. I didn't want to deal with the hard stuff. It left me in a constant state of running to this dream world, running to that desire of the flesh. It was like an addiction for me. You know, those addictions that you just, you can't turn your back on because it just, it's, it's what gets you through the day. It's what drives you. It's what keeps your focus. Something to always fall back on so I wouldn't have to face the reality of my circumstances or face the, what scared me. To acknowledge the truth about maybe the situation I was in. Until one day I got deeper and deeper into that dream world to the point where it could not rescue me anymore. You see that dream world and that fleshly desire, they can only serve you for a little while. And it only did serve me for a while. Then the reality of my life and my circumstances took over. And at some time, and everybody is like this in life. At some time, you have to face the choices that you've made and the choices I had to face the choices I made. I had to accept my life as it was. And I had to acknowledge my struggles, my fears. I had to acknowledge my fleshly desire. And I had to face it head on. And I knew this as a Christian, there was always that small voice in the back of my head saying, Carrie, this isn't good for you. Carrie, don't do this. Carrie, stay with me in the moment. When I finally started getting to the point to accept that and to acknowledge it, I was able to change and I was able to grow and I was able to learn new coping skills that were healthy and that also lined up with my core beliefs and what I believed in and how where I stood in my beliefs. When I failed to acknowledge in my heart and mind and failed to acknowledge the fact that I have a fleshly desire and it, I do let it overtake me. When I fail to acknowledge that, knowing that it's there, my heart and starts feeling full of resentment, resentment to God, resentment to my circumstance. I start hating, hating lots of things that I never even knew possible. And then I also just get wrapped up in my own selfishness and it, it becomes all about me. Everything's all about me and it takes over and there's no place room for room for anybody else. It becomes a lifestyle that leads away from 
truth and it surrounds me with a blindness of lies and fear. Just as while Bill continues to let himself be consumed with his fleshly desires, while Bill has a farmer father that comes to his rescue, he tries to protect him. He places a crown on his head that others deem as inhumane. Yet the ultimate goal is for his safety and his protection. You too may be one of those that often let your desires carry you away, just as I, I do. And it carries you away to a place and circumstances that hinder you from growing. But you have a heavenly father that may give you a crown. He may give you a thorn in a flesh. He may give you something in your life. That intuition, that small voice to keep you from going back to those dark places because those dark places will just leave you trapped and empty. So my question for you is, are you going to claim God as not being fair, as not caring? Or are you going to see the truth of matter and humble yourself to admit your fleshy desire and that God's just there trying to protect you? I challenge everybody today, it is time for us to get up off the couch, to stop making excuses, and to get busy growing in our faith. Start reading our Bibles more, get back into church, get back to fellowshipping with other Christians, continue to stand for what is right in God's eyes and not conform to our own selfishness and our fleshly desires. Without this, our children have no hope. So parents, get your kids out to church, get them in a place that's going to give them a foundation that they can stand on. A foundation that can stand the test that their lives are going to give them one day. It may be hard at times to follow, but in the end, it will give them a chance to live victoriously and full of hope. And I'm going to leave you with this verse. Something to meditate on. Galatians 5, 16 and 17. This I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh, flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. Meditate on this, let it speak to you, and then make choices that you need to make. I hope everybody has a very blessed day.